Morning, everybody, again. Um, looking forward to talking to you this morning. Uh, we are kicking off a new series uh, of messages in the book of Colossians. John had a chance to um, start that last week, and, and this study is one of the key ways that we're leaning into uh, this focus of discipleship, uh, growing as disciples of Jesus this summer, because it shows us so much about who Jesus is and what he does uh, in us. Uh, we've titled this series, uh, Jesus Bring Us to Life. And, and at least in my time here, I don't know that we've ever shaped a sermon series title in the form of a prayer, but I think this really fits. Uh, as Christians, so many of the new life that we experience actually comes through prayer. Prayers that we pray for ourselves and items that we pray uh, for one another. And so that's a lot of what we see at the beginning of this uh, letter of Colossians. Even though the Apostle Paul didn't start this church, he'd never met these people in person before, there was a thread of influence that he had in their lives. And so he was compelled to write to them, and he starts right out by telling them, letting them know the things uh, that he is praying for. In verse 9, Paul says, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. So what does Paul pray for? What does he pray for, and why does he pray those particular things? Investigating those two questions can be impactful as we think about prayer in our own lives. As we see what Paul prays for in, in Colossians 1, that can help shape how we pray, whether those are prayers for ourselves, whether those are people, prayers for people that we love, or maybe for those uh, that we lead. That's a big part. Uh, what we want to look at today, and I think it's something that you're going to be really encouraged by. There's also another angle that we're going to hit on this morning, another layer that we're going to talk about that you may actually find a little bit more challenging. Uh, to use a metaphor, the things that Paul prays for are gifts that we'd like to receive, but those gifts may come in packages that we don't expect, okay? We all like to receive gifts, but if we get something in an unexpected passage, it can be a little bit uh, unnerving or uh, just, uh, something that we can't quite get our minds around. So what did Paul pray? Why did he pray that? And how is the path into experiencing these good things potentially different than we might think? Again, so those are some of the questions that we'll answer as we explore this way that prayer can bring us to life. Uh, let's dive right in uh, to Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14. So again, it starts out, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. And so we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you'll grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened by his glorious, with all his glorious power, so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Furthermore, we you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father, for he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people, who live in the light. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Let's turn to God in prayer. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this new series, God. And uh, we just look to you even this morning that the specific things that you want to speak to us 
God, that you want to um, uh, kind of just be motivators or uh, just touch points for us to take a next step, God, that you do that work in all of us this morning. Holy Spirit, we just express our dependency on you, not on ourselves. Would you do your work among us today? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so again, we're talking today about the way that prayer brings us life. Whoa, there we go. Move that around. There you go. Some people, let me move that some more. Is that better? Got it. Okay. Okay, so we're talking about the way that prayer uh, brings us life. Uh, Some people have described prayer uh, as a conversation with God or as a way of connecting with God. Um, Others emphasize the way that prayer is how we see changes come about. I think prayer is actually all of those. And so in Colossians 1, let's look at what Paul uh, prays for and what we can pray for as well. Here's the first item. Pray for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. This is what Paul leans to. He says, pray for knowledge. I'm praying for you to have knowledge, spiritual wisdom, and understanding. Students, we got some students in the room, right? Hey, knowledge. You guys know some about this. Um, the past nine months, you've been trying to acquire knowledge, and now it's summertime. Congratulations. Um, Paul prays for knowledge here, but unfortunately, he is not praying that you would remember this fall the math homework that you learned this spring. I'm sorry, okay? Or those of us with a few more uh, birthdays. Uh, Unfortunately, Paul is not praying for uh, us to have knowledge about and understanding about why we went to the basement from the kitchen. Anybody else have that happen? You know, I, I know I came down here for something, but what was it? Sorry, that's not what he's praying for. What did he actually say that he was praying for? What kind of knowledge should we gain? Primarily, Paul is saying that we should pray for the knowledge of God's will. The knowledge of God's will. God's will is not limited to just making the correct decisions or following the right path. What it's centered in is knowing who God is and how God works. And this is going to be something that we're going to cover all the way through our study in Colossians, we're going to see this amazing picture of who Jesus is. Jesus is majestic. He is supreme. He is above everything and anyone. And then that leads to this amazing transformation in our life. We get to see who God is and how he works. Think about what Jesus taught his first disciples about prayer. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom and God's will, they go hand in hand. Where God's kingdom is, God's will is done. And where God's will is done, that's where God's kingdom is at work. They just go right together. And so I love how action-oriented this is. I'm going to switch over here. There we go. I have to believe that God has some really cool things that he wants to do today. (laughs) We had internet problems overnight. Uh, We got mic problems this morning. We got all things. Let's lean in, right? Okay, let's do this. Let's stay focused. Okay, so 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is action-oriented. When we pray for knowledge, when we pray for wisdom, we pray for understanding of God's will, we're asking for more than just a general awareness of it. We're asking for the ability to be aligned with it. I think that's what Jesus invites us into, even in the Lord's Prayer. He says, the way that things work in heaven, that's how we want to see them here on earth. And even more specifically and personally applied, we want to see that happen in our lives. God, the way that things work, when you get your way, that's what I want to have happen in my life. That's the knowledge, that's the wisdom, that's the understanding uh, that I want to gain. In many ways, this is what it means to become a Christian. As a follower of Jesus, you are no longer the center of your universe. God becomes central. God's kingdom is at the core. God's will becomes uh, of highest priority. Even Jesus said that those who hold on to their lives will actually lose them, but those that give up or surrender, give themselves to God and his kingdom, they are the ones that actually gain real life. This is how it works. We orient ourselves towards God, and in this surprising, unexpected way, we receive a life that we could never obtain another way. Okay, so whether we're praying for ourselves to gain more knowledge of God's will or if we're praying for others to grow with that, here's what can happen. In verse, Paul, uh, verse 10, Paul says this, that we can, the way that we live will honor the Lord, that our lives will produce every kind of good fruit, and third, that we will grow closer to God. This is what happens is we not only gain that awareness but we begin to align our lives to God and his will, these are the things that will begin to happen. It's a progression as we gain this knowledge that begins to transform our lives. Our lives begin to produce good fruit, and as a result, we grow even closer to God. And it just goes right back in, rinse and repeat, just over and over again in our lives. Here's how theologian E.D. Martin describes this process He said, to receive the gospel is to come to know God. To know God is to do his will. And to do his will is to to know more and more of God. Have you seen this to work in your life? I know I have in mine. Where There's this amazing way that as we connect with God, as we connect with who Jesus is, that begins to do things in us. And that motivates us, and it produces this way that we align and we, uh, we orient our lives more and more towards what God wants, and that actually draws us closer to know God better and then being able to do more and more of what he wants again. That's the cycle. Okay, so that's how this can work. Let's touch further on how this can shape the way uh, that we pray. That's our focus for today. First, an example of praying for others. Um, uh, over the last few years, we've had uh, several different groups uh, here at the Vineyard um, that are focused in on prayer, including a number of grandparents uh, that are praying for their grandchildren. These are some of my heroes. Uh, the idea is this, that even if these grandparents can't see their grandkids every day, they can still have a tremendous positive influence 
even directly through uh, this, uh, this action of prayer. Certainly, they want their grandkids to experience what verse 10 talks about, these lives that honor God, that bear good fruit. But often the way into that first comes with this awareness of God, with this alignment of God, where there's this real experience. Like if we just expect our kids or our grandkids to behave well without some kind of supernatural connection, it's not going to go well. And so we get into this spot where we say, God, would you come? Would you bring your awareness? Would you bring more and more of your knowledge? That is how so much of this comes. Maybe you think of people that you care deeply about, that they could even be someone that's far away from God, not living any of the qualities mentioned in Colossians 1. Here's what we can do. You can use what Paul prays for as a model for how you pray for those that you love especially that they would gain this deep awareness. And you just say, God, like the things that I want for them, the good fruit that I want to have in their life, the only way that's going to happen is if they really know you and there's this power to align themselves with you. In a similar way, there's things that we can, ways that we can do this and we can pray for ourselves. It's so easy to fixate on seeking specific answers that we want, but oftentimes I have found it is good to start uh, by praying something like this. God, would you help me to just know you better? Really help me get to know you, to become more like you. And let that be the foundation for all the other things uh, that are happening in life. Again, some of you young people, whether um, you know, you're still high school, or whatever, junior high, uh, up into our young adults, we're talking about you earlier. I think about you and some of the, the big decisions that you have to face through some of these seminal years. You know, what's my life going to be about? <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, if you get towards the end of high school, what might I study or what might I pursue? Uh, you know, maybe as you get a little bit older, you think about, you know, who should I date or even questions like, who in the heck should I marry? You know, these are big questions that we can bring uh, to life. And it's possible that God might give you specific answers to those. But most of the time, he has a different path. The path is to become the kind of person that can receive God's broader direction, broader direction. A person that knows God and is learning his ways and then as you best align your life with him as best as you can, then you just go at the decisions that you have in life with his help and his strength. You know, sometimes folks approach the Bible as like this, uh, this answer key. There's a lot of questions that we ask in life that there aren't direct answers in the Bible. But what God does show us is who he is and who we're meant to be in him. And as he does that work of transformation, increasingly what we can do is do those works to, to align ourselves with him that we can step into more and more of his will uh, for our lives. Does that make sense? Okay. So those are a couple ways to put this first example of Paul's prayer into practice. Uh, here's a second key item that Paul prays for and that we can pray as well. Pray for supernatural strength. Pray for supernatural strength. Look again at verse 11. He says, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience that you need. 
Paul prays for an experience of this supernatural strength, for experience of God's glorious power. In a similar passage in Ephesians 1, he equates this to the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That is the glorious power. That is the strength that God wants to release to us. But what does it mean to be strong? Now, sadly, too many of us, I think, uh, can slip into a distorted view of strength. Uh, this past week, I was revisiting some material from uh, author Pete Cesaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Church, uh, and I came across this paragraph. He writes, 21st century culture measures strength in terms of power. If you're a celebrity, a physically beautiful or wealthy person, a professional athlete, an accomplished lawyer, a doctor, a successful politician, you are considered strong. Brilliant people dazzle us with their intellect and verbal abilities. I might add, sadly, contemporary church culture has largely bought into the world's definition of power and strength. So here's where that, that distorted view can lead to. We can think that the only way to be strong it's just to always have it together, or at least to give that impression to others. <laughs> to always be on top, above the fray, like that what it means to be, uh, to be strong. We're bulletproof, no problems, everything's going just great. But that's not how life actually works. None of us are immune from being stretched to our limits. There's another scripture I was just actually reading yesterday. This didn't make it into the slides, but I want you to listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Or yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, We think you ought to know, brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. <laughs> This is one of the most amazing Christians that's ever lived. One of the most faithful followers of Jesus. And this is what he's writing about his day-to-day -day experience. If you are in need of strength this morning, you are in good company. Again, we all face situations and seasons that feel beyond what we can bear. But God is gracious to provide strength to those who humbly ask. And so often I found that God most powerfully shows his strength right in the middle of weakness. And so Paul finishes that story in 2 Corinthians 1 and even ties it to the prayers of others. Again, he says, we were crushed and were overwhelmed. We thought we would never live through it. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. There's that theme again. And because you, you are helping us by praying for us, then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Friends, when we are weak, that is the place that God's strength so often shines even brighter. We want to be able to have this, this culture, this, uh, this environment where that is the strength that we are putting forward. Not the world's idea of strength where we always got to have it all together. No, it's like where we are able to be gut honest about here is where I actually am. And God, here is where I need your strength that raises the dead. I need that in my life. What does that strength give us? 
Colossians 1.11 says, we receive the endurance and the patience that we need. Again, when we compare these, the world's idea of strength, God's idea of strength are not the same. In God's eyes, to be strong simply means to take the next step in front of you, tapping into the endurance and the patience that he provides. It's one foot in front of the other, right, left, right, left, right, left, just over and over and over again. I love how the writer of Hebrews picks up on this thought in chapter 12. The writer writes, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. This is really what the Christian life is all about. It's just one foot in front of the other. We don't get the luxury, I think sometimes we think about it that way, of knowing how everything's going to work out all the way to the end. Every single circumstance, every single situation, what we do have the opportunity to do is to trust God with what's right in front of us, to look to him for the strength that we need for that next step, to look to him to provide that endurance, that patience that we need for the step after that. Friend, I think that's what God promises us, and we can look to him to do that. Now, there's so many ways that we can apply these principles. This morning, again, we're most focused on the way that this can shape the way that we pray so parents, thinking about, like, when your children drive you batty, <laughs> which may happen a time or two this summer, right? <laughs> you know, God can give you the strength. He can give you the endurance, the patience that you need as you turn to him. Others, when you're facing that consistent source of temptation, that is a place that God and his strength can help you over and above your grit. When you're processing an offense that's taken a place in a relationship, God can give you strength to face that hurt and to work towards forgiveness. Just some of the ways that we can pray those things for ourselves, but think about praying for others. Maybe it's a loved one that's facing a significant health challenge. Maybe your young adult child is trying to find their way in life, or maybe a friend is battling an addictive behavior. In any kind of situation, it's God's glorious strength is that what we need the most. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that God makes available to us, makes available to those that we're praying for, and that really can make all the difference. Friends, strength is a gift that we'd all like, but it often comes in a package that we don't expect. According to the Bible, the way to gain strength is actually to admit that we aren't strong. God gives grace to the humble. We simply just need to say, God, I don't have it, but I believe that you do. Would you come provide the supernatural strength that I so desperately need? Okay, let's look at a third thing um, that Paul prays for and that we can pray into uh, for ourselves. I want to pray into experiencing joy and to be thankful. Verse 12 says, may you be filled with joy, filled with joy, always thanking the Father. Even as Paul faced repeated difficulties, he regularly tapped into a deep reservoir of God's joy. 
They pray for others to experience the same themes. These themes of joy and thanksgiving show up prominently in nearly every one of Paul's letters. Here's another example from 1 Thessalonians 5. He writes, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We talked about earlier about God's will. This is an expression of what it means to know God and to know his ways. To try and rejoice always. To pray continually. Other translation would say pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that we're like constantly saying words, but there's like this heart posture that we have that we're turned towards God and tapping into his resources rather than just looking to ourselves and then to give thanks at all times. How in the world do we do that? <laughs> Three little verses. Man, super, super challenging. How do we do that, and what determines our experiences of joy and gratitude? Two initial thoughts that come to my mind. First of all is this. Joy and gratitude are not dictated by our circumstances. And secondly, we can be present to multiple emotions at the same time. We might regularly connect happiness to favorable circumstances, but joy and gratitude don't have to be. This is one of the promises that we have uh, about the Christian life, is that the exact things that are happening to us don't have to define us. That there is something over and above us, someone over and above us, that shows us what our identity is and gives us a strength that is beyond what we could imagine. We can be facing immense challenges that are full of grief, and we can still experience joy. We can have a number of circumstances not go the way that we had hoped and still be grateful. It's not about detaching from reality like living in some kind of religious la-la land. No, it's actually about like staring that square in the face and saying, this hard thing, these circumstances that I would not choose, these are not ultimately what defines me. My God in heaven, my Savior Jesus, his promises, his hope, his strength, his power, those are what ultimately define me and are going to shape the way that I live. They supersede the things that are front of you. Uh, I could share a lot more about this, but we're uh, a little short on time this morning. But um, just wanted to tell you this morning, like, uh, this is always true for those of us that get an opportunity to um, teach from God's Word and share with you on Sundays. But um, we're, we're always preaching to ourselves at the same time as we're talking to you. Like, this week, like, I am really doing this. <laughs> like, this, this passage is one that has just challenged me to the core this week. Um, you know, I think uh, the season that we're walking through as a church, um, some of the unique ways that that, um, you know, is just present, ways that I've been working through that in my own life, the accumulated grief, sadness, of just all that's been before us. Like, those are circumstances I wish I could circle back, rewind the clock, you know, six, seven months ago, and just say, God, can I choose a different path? <laughs> but here's what's in front of us. Here's what's in front of me. And so what we're talking about today, of rejoicing always, praying continually, 
giving thanks in all circumstances. Like I'm just trying to lean into that in my own life. Had the added peace this week. My father-in-law got hospitalized. Um, my wife, Andrea, has been back and forth to the Twin Cities a lot. And, you know, he's doing okay. But it's, it's one of those things with aging parents. You're like, God, what's up? And how can we pray for him? And, you know, just these are real-life circumstances. Do you guys have, like, a real life? I have a real life, too, you know? <laughs> like, God shows up, not in our pretend lives, folks, God shows up in our real lives. He shows up when we just say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I am, but I believe that you do. He is faithful to meet us in that. That's the stuff I'm leaning into. You probably have a whole other set of circumstances in your life where that's true for you. We're all in the same boat, folks. And through 35-plus years of following Jesus, here's what I've found. He really is faithful. He's faithful to meet us in any and every circumstance to provide the power, the strength, even the surprising things of joy and gratitude, even in the midst of circumstances that would be anything but that. That's the God that we worship. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we can turn to. So if we can't depend on circumstances. What do we look to? I think the last part of this passage really gives us um, some great ideas here, and that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that is most foundational for experiencing joy and gratitude in our lives. There is a lot that we can't guarantee in life, but we can bank on what God has done on behalf to read the final two verses of today's passage again. It says, may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father, for he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Yeah, there's so much more that would um, be great to unpack. Maybe John will unpack this tonight in his class. But, you know, in these couple verses, we see some of the things that God has done, that he makes available this unexpected inheritance. All that is God's of his richness and goodness, he makes available to us through Jesus. We've been rescued. We've been transferred from complete darkness and shifted over into this kingdom full of light, living under the realm of God's will and his ways through Jesus. He spoke forgiveness of our sins, and he's purchased freedom by, for us on the cross. Man, there's so much to be grateful for, so much that we can tap into no matter what we face. We can count on this. We never test out of the gospel. <laughs> we never get beyond this. Like, certainly we build upon it, but these are always foundational things for us. I know even in my own life, as <clears throat> I've walked through various seasons, but even just over these last few months, like my times of prayer with God have often looked like this. It's very simple. You know, it's maybe praying a couple verses, maybe a couple phrases. Sometimes it's even a single word. 
or I just come back to, God, what is most true? God, there's so many things I can't control, so many things that I can't, like, uh, uh, you know, just make happen the way that I would like them. God, what is unshakable, and how can I connect with that? Just come back to that over and over again. And so as you pray for yourself, start with, come back to these baseline things of the good news of Jesus. Remember that he loves you that he came to find you, that he came to rescue you, that he has transferred you into a completely different life, and he wants to give you his power. Grasp on to those things that cannot be shaken, and even if it doesn't make sense, (laughs) try and put into practice scriptures like 1 Thessalonians 5, to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. As we think about praying for others, it's not wrong to pray for better circumstances. I'm praying that for my father-in-law. We're praying for healing. We're praying for strength, you know, for him. We're praying for that for us as a church, as the things that we're moving forward. But remember, the ultimate thing that each of us needs is to connect with a power that's above and beyond our circumstances. We want to connect with the supernatural, eternal God that has revealed himself in the person of Jesus and have that fuel our next step and our next step and our next step. Friends, I wish I knew (laughs) all the things that were ahead of you in your life months and years down the road. I just don't know. I wish I knew that for myself. But what we can do is look to God in trust for the next thing that's in front of us, tap into his strength and trust him that he really is faithful bringing about his good news and his good work according to his will and according to his kingdom. I'd love to pray for us along those lines. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand up? We have a little bit of shorter time today, and Stephen, and what <clears throat> had to share with you is pretty straightforward. Um, really, my hope as I was even just praying this morning was um, not so much that be able to give you like a definitive treatise about prayer, but actually to have you latch on to maybe a thing or two that really just helps you to pray in your own life, in your real life situations, in the things that you're facing that you're wanting to see happen in the lives of people around you. That we don't just think about prayer, but we actually pray. That we actually lean in, in real relationship with God and walk this thing out of how God can transform our lives, how he can bring us to life as we turn to him in prayer. So let's even do that now. God, would you just come? God, come as we turn ourselves to you. God, we, we give up. We let go of our own abilities to just manage life, to manage circumstances that are before us or to try and control things for the things that uh, are going on and people that we care about. Holy Spirit, would you just come with your power and your strength right now? God, we just say that we need you. 
God, that we want to believe that you supersede over anything that we might face. God, let us know who you really are, how you work. And God, just have the courage to align ourselves to you more and more. Would you come? Now, God, I, I particularly pray for just that, that, uh, that courage to take the next step. That courage to step forward towards you rather than cower back in fear. Would you come? Grab the ministry team. If you want to start making your way up, um, we're going to finish up by praying for each other. You know, it's a great lead-in to, uh, to being able to do that. This is one of the ways that we experience community. Um, I know in my own life that, <clears throat> um, that there's, there's plenty of times of just getting to God on my own. Um, certainly is a step to take, uh, but often it's just so helpful to know that we can do that uh, together. Uh, just a few words as we, we go to that. Um, one of the ones is, um, has really had a sense that <clears throat> uh, that verse 10 was talking about the, the fruit, um, the lives that honor God, that aren't bearing good fruit. Maybe there's a spot for you that God's inviting you to just turn from things that you just know are not what God wants for you and just reorient yourself. Um, back towards him. Friends, there is grace for every single one of us. That's why Jesus came, to forgive us and to free us. And so we can come boldly before his throne and do that. Also, just that sense of patience and endurance, wherever you might need that, God can provide that in any kind of situation, any circumstance. And then just maybe the simple prayer of just saying, God, I just want to know you better. That sounds so straightforward, but that is unlocks so much of what God wants to do in our lives. So worship team is going to lead us in prayer. Whatever you might have on your heart today for yourself, for someone else that you care about, let's bring these things to God and let's see what he might do. Thanks so much for coming to the venue. Let's worship. Let's pray.